Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Right? Griffin Corp. And what's happening in Dublin? Nothing. Don't give it. They don't give a shade about it down here. on the game, don't hide behind your cars or your tattoos or your girlfriends or your agents, play the game. Be careful the cat, no say the cat is in the sack when you have not the cat in the sack. The great football, the Liam Brady's, the Ronnie Whelan's, the David O'Leary's, this is a great football and country produce players and grab play that rubbish. Yeah. Joe O'Brien of Shamrock Rovers. Joe, looking at your career. I want to start with West Ham. You signed for West Ham through a trial, and that was a lot of injuries. How does that come about, a trial, with some of, so much Premier League experience? Yeah, um, well, basically, I was at Bolton for obviously a period of time, and then for the last two and a half years, while I was up there, I didn't play. So I had like three knee ops, um, obviously rehab and all the stuff that goes into that, and obviously was couldn't get back. So I went from basically October 2008 to February 2011 without really playing again. So obviously then the June, July, obviously was the end of the season. I was out of contract. So I mean, I went in. Owen Coyle at the time was the manager. And Owen, I think, being in charge maybe we'll say um, 18 months if or a year or whatever. So obviously when I went in to see him, I knew I was gone. Mm-hmm. So the thing, it was just basically, listen... Um, is there uh, any grudges then? With no, nah, definitely not. No, nah, definitely not. I think when I went in, he just sort of said to me, listen, I've been here 18 months or whatever, and I think I've seen you out on the pitch two months, three months, and I mean, so there's nothing. And obviously over there, you're talking about a nice few quid a week and stuff like that, so I mean, <laughs> there was probably no chance of a contract. So I just said, right, fair enough, and left, and there was no, uh, there was no, like bitterness towards own or anything like that, you know. But don't get me wrong, I was emotional. I've been at the club yeah. since I was 15, 16, um, had some great times, and obviously came, had some horrendous times with injuries and stuff like that. So obviously, it was part of me liking to think, um, Jays would love to get back, you know, and show a bit of gratitude or whatever for the fate that the club showed me at times and the care that they showed me and stuff like that. But it wasn't to be. So then I was out of contract to keep myself fit as you do, and then it just sort of fell into place with West Ham, I suppose. And timing was for me, um, they'd been relegated out of the Premier League that year. They'd sacked um, Avram Grant, who was the manager at the time, and obviously it was all this talk about West Ham's budget, blah blah blah. Do you need to get back into the Premier League ASAP? Um, yeah. Obviously Sam Aldice was out of the job, out of the job, and he was getting linked heavily with it. So I was hoping he he was going <laughs> to yeah. get it, obviously, and he he got it, and then. Um, so basically from that, I'd obviously played for Sam at Bounton and he knew me uh, a long time. So he obviously was just like, oh yeah, come down and see how you are. Did you, did you ring him? or? Did well, we just... an agent that actually is, uh, his agent gone on to me and sort of was like, listen, he wants you down there for training. Would you be into it? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, 100%. At this stage now it was, so I got back in the February time 
and I'd went out and played a few games for Sheffield Wednesday um, in League One with Gary Megson was the manager again another manager that was had a bone and had yeah. a great time for and great respect for so I knew my knee was fine if you know what I mean like I'd yeah. gone through so much period with of um, trying to come back breaking down trying to come back I, I knew by that time the knee was good and um, so he obviously wanted me to come down have a look do the pre-season playing the pre-season games and see I'm sure look years later obviously I was able to speak to Sam about it and he was just basically seeing if my knee could hold up Yeah. and uh, obviously it did and then I signed the contract about a week before this, the first game of the championship season do you think that's kind of like with all the dice there I know the owner's going to him He's just ticking a box when you're on trial that he always kind of knew you were ready and ready to go. You know, like some owners might say, listen, you've had him before, you're just doing a favour here, where he's like, no, I'll, I'll bring him in on trial, kind of. Yeah, um, I don't know, yeah, no, maybe, like, you know, I think obviously part of it was, I had been off the scene a long, long time, so I'm sure there was part of him thinking, hang on a minute, I'm not going to start, he's uh, only new in the job, as you said, so I'm sure part of him was thinking, listen, I'm not, we can't be seen to be just throwing out contracts here, willy-nilly sort of thing, so I'll get him in, have a look at him, and see if he's fit, and see... How, how his body is and can he still do it I suppose age wise I had that on my side I was still relatively young only 26 yeah, at the time at the time I would have been even younger um, yeah I would have been even younger I suppose I was um, tell me Matt here now he looks someone at 2011 I mean I was like. 8 years ago so <laughs> whatever it was a bit younger so 24, 25 even and um, from the club point of view I was obviously there looking at thinking I'm sure Sam sold them. Listen, if this fella can get back, it'd be a good sign. He's obviously has experience playing Europe, playing Premier League football, etc. Um, and that was it, really. And then obviously I went down. I was able to um, stay fit and get a contract. Do you know, like there with trials, I've I've gone on trial. Like it's it's horrible because you walk in, you don't know whether to get involved in the banter because you're like I could be shipped out, and the lads thinking, what's he doing? No, like he's only in. But like from that side of you, you go in now and you're trying, what was your mindset? Because sometimes you think as well, you know, with friendlies and stuff, they're big for you. But for lads who are at the club in a contract, it's just a friendly get it out of the way. Yeah, you would. Listen, I actually, Kevin Nolan had signed. That was Sam's fourth sign, real big sign. Obviously, he came in, brought me in as club captain. I'd obviously known Kevin Nolan since the time I bought all the way through. He was a personal friend of mine. But it was funny, actually, because when I went into the dressing room, um, I just kept myself to myself as you said and the lads were like I could see some of the lads in the dressing room um, even saying to Kev like fucking hell what's up with your man here he's a bit of a weirdo wouldn't he you know <laughs> I just had tunnel vision I didn't want to get involved in any of the crack or anything man I was there on a mission and uh, obviously later on when I signed um, obviously the lads were saying to me you get to know the boys then and uh, the boy Mark Nalva for instance was a great fella and he was like Jesus when you first came in there Joe we thought you were going to come in one day with a bleeding gun and blow us all away you know? quiet lads you're always yeah. the quiet ones right and I'd say they were looking at me thinking hey, what is your man up there but yeah I was just so determined you know I had so many like sort of at that period of time through that injury I sort of um, added something to it I suppose inside you know and it was just like I had an opportunity man and there wasn't nothing getting in the way until I got it you know and uh I played obviously games. Now listen, it was some of the games. I remember one of my first games, and it, it was actually still on trial. And um, we played um, FC Basel. I think FC Basel. I think it was pre-season game yeah. over in Austria, and it was about thirty-five degrees out. And I'm playing centre midfield in the park. And uh, as Brian Kerr would say, that little fella in the that dumpy little fella Shakiri, he was playing <laughs> centre mid for them. And I walked off after the pitch, and I. 
I'll never forget. I rang my brother after the pitch. I said, "Tom, I'm done. I'm gone here. It was so <laughs> bad." And uh, like looking back on it now, I was able to laugh at it, you know. But it was one of those moments where I thought, oh, I don't think I'm getting back to this level." But uh, and that, look, I walked out in the end. Like I said, you know, when you're you play that bad, then you think all oh, the lads think I'm stinking, like don't they? Like because when you sign for a club, you feel like you can play bad, no bother. But if you're on trial, you're in there for your first impression, aren't you? And you just think they're going to think I'm an awful player and I'm not. I'm not this type of player or like... Yeah, and I think as well, another, another thing that um, people have to realise as well, and it's only something you do when you've been there injured, so you can do as much training and rehab all you want, but the actual matches, different ball game. You know? oh, so I knew I was back, but the actual matches um, are completely different. Do you know, from a sense of you're trying to get on the ball, trying to get playing, and you're blowing, you're trying to dig in, you're trying to, it's so many different movements, you just take for granted when you're fit, but when you come back after that long period, it takes a good while, like, sort of, to get back up and running, but, um, yeah, look, I suppose at that time, this was when you thought it was probably a bit of a psycho, and might have, uh, <laughs> came in with a shotgun or something the next day, so they weren't saying much to me, but a while later, six months down the line, when I was part of the team and playing, they used to look back and think, jeez, what was that like, blah, 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 you know? But you mentioned Kevin Nolan there, like, and it does help you walk in, you know, lads, straight away. Like, what kind of character is he like? Because he comes across a very big character and Yeah, on huge. Telly, anyway. Huge. Um, great influence on me, personally, and a great fella. You know, I, I look at Kev, like, when you come through, I came through Bolton as a young player, so Kev was one of the first team players there. Great, you know? And uh, just great around speaking to you. Look at it, he's... Uh, Superb captain as well, and well into like sort of in the club environment of like what everything is, making sure players come in, um, like say foreign lads come in, that their wives are settled, that look, their kids are looked after, they're in the skills, what skills to be going into. Kevin be obviously dropping that sort of stuff in, you know, mm. making sure he gets the lads out, and if there's nights out, or partner, like he'd organise nights out, he'd organise nights out with the par- partners and stuff like that, you know, just to build that bond up that I think uh, is vital at our uh, football clubs you know he's kind of another one of them players that didn't get enough credit I think because he wouldn't be pretty as they'd say because of Allardyce I mean like he should have got more English caps and I think even West Ham fans treated him a bit unfair like considering the amount of goals he scored yeah he definitely um, should have been capped for uh, for Bolton when like I think it was my first year when I broke in um, the year we were playing in Europe and that he was unbelievable like you know and the goals he got and I mean for a midfielder I think I've seen a stat there a while ago for actual Premier League midfielders that to get 10 goals or more I think Kev is one of the only few sort of um, maybe changed now in the recent times but back then like definitely that was able to get 10 English English born midfielders like to to get 10 goals in the Premier League was like very very good going Kev was able to do that and then as you said at West Ham huge like huge part in where the club got back up in the Premier League and then the first two years we were there his goals again like kept us mm. high up in the league you know he's has a knack for scoring goals I mean and all he's done it throughout his career which is a credit to him like you know uh, Sam Allardyce obviously massive character in football I mean he gets this reputation of being a dinosaur manager but I listened to him on the radio and he seems very with modern game he's always looking for like he's always on about like so, uh, it's like a therapist everything like that he's always trying to improve so where does he get that like what's he getting that from like yeah like, like people giving him a bad rep yeah I mean I'm go- going back to at the time of Bolton I suppose when 
and the club had just got into the Premier League to try to establish that club it was um, into a Premier League club was huge like you know and then he had the people he was great at like bringing in the best of the people like you know so we had like a guy Mike Ford he was like sort of head of performance we suppose at the club's sports psychologist partly like these fellas he had him physiotherapist Andy Barr people like this like that were unbelievable you know and obviously left bottom went on Mike then went, got involved at Chelsea high up at Chelsea then you had Andy Barr he left obviously went over, was one of the main man over the New York Knicks as a physio. You know, he was able to get these people who like, can put them in place and it was huge. And I think um he was one of this tall like the money ball thing with Javan Billy Bean and stuff like that. Like I remember him being in the bottom training ground. Do you know, before yeah. the whole money ball thing was fashionable, like people even knew who it was, like, you know, like I mean, over I suppose this side of the world. He um he was in their training ground, you know. And Sam used that as a as a tool, I suppose, to and if you look at I suppose I only realised that when you look back on things, he um, the players that he was able to bring in, you know, it was arguably that sort of money ball type of player, you know, maybe yeah. coming or maybe seeing to the outside world, uh, finished or careers over or best years are past, and to be able to bring them in, create an environment, put them in place, and get an extra couple of years out of them, where probably the name and the reputation probably said that they were bigger than Bolton, but he was able to sell the club to him, and then obviously so the likes of JJ Kocha and. Fernando Hierro and Ivan Campo, these sort of players that probably he was able to get the like great years out of, you know, at a club like Bolton, and that's what you tried to look for, them sort of players, and then he was able to bring in young players from the academy, um, like Kevin, obviously Kevin Nolan, myself, Ricardo Vaste, these sort of players then were able to come through, so we had the youth as well, I suppose. But like, I spoke to you about this before, I thought he got a raw deal at West Ham, considering everything he did, like, what was it about the West Ham fans that just never took to him? Like, yeah, I spo- listen, I think they had this sort of, I suppose, a style of play that was sort of put out there by the media, was sort of thing, and then people sort of got onto that, that, and then it was like, oh, he doesn't play this type of football, and I suppose West Ham have this fans or whatever that think, oh, there's a West Ham way of playing and stuff of like this, which, listen, there's not really, you know, and I, I obviously played a lot in his teams, and I mean, some of the players he had in his teams, like, I mean, he weren't long ball players, you know, like yeah. them sort of players that I named there a minute ago. Then obviously later on at West Ham, Mark Noble obviously was one of the main players, Stuart Down and um came in. People like that. He was just that he felt on certain things, especially on set plays, he put a little, huge emphasis on set plays. Mm-hmm. And so it's on set plays, most set plays that he got deep free kicks or wide free kicks, they were going in the box because he seen them as an uh, an easy opportunity to get a ball into the box or to create a goal from and that's that was his mentality was sort of if it's a dead ball or if it's a set play it's going into the box we can score from this and that's how we sort of built his teams he did like trips away though in fairness to him now I've been told that you get off a plane with him you don't see him for four or five days you see him sunbathing by the pool like is that all true like no we, listen we used to um, we used to go away on that and then um, he used to go to like sort of February time I suppose and uh, he used to go to Dubai and for a warm weather training camp. So uh, I've been probably on a good field with him over the years and listen, the nights are part of it and it's the nights out are part of it. But you are still training. He probably, in a way, stayed away from the ho- same hotel as, as the players because he was in a different hotel, which whatever, you know, he was there probably with his wife and stuff like that. So he probably didn't want to be seeing the lads in the... He obviously has his coaches and stuff like that looking after stuff like that. But was his, his wife was a low goer. Alum, like I think his wife was <laughs> there, like you know, and they were using it as a holiday in that sense. Oh, and then right. he'd come down to the whatever they was training, and he'd come down to the training, 
and uh, oversee training and then head off again. But obviously, you have the staff is in place, but there are great times, like you know. And uh, will you love bring your families? No, no. We are allowed, we are allowed to go out for a few drinks though. I say you were delighted leaving behind. Well, I missed out on one time. We played, we are going. We played Aston Villa and we are playing uh, Aston Villa and then we are heading straight down to um, uh, Heathrow Airport and. I got the I got a worst dead leg bang ever and it was like a bleeding bus hit me and I had to come off the pitch couldn't move and uh, basically then doctor came into me after the game like I was on crutches it was that bad and he was like listen you can't fly with that and yeah. I thought he was winding me up and I was like huh and he was like you won't be able to fly with that and I was like yeah good one and he was like nah deadly serious like you go up there with how the blood is in your leg or whatever like it can be serious and you're not going to be able to go. So to say I was uh, disappointed, it was an understatement. I don't actually remember the game, them, <laughs> what score it was. Them trips though, like some people see as a holiday or whatever, drink test, but like the bonding is incredible. Huge. Us, like. We played one time, We had, one of the years we were struggling, I think, and uh, we came off the back of it. We went over there and we came off the is back of it. this for West Ham? Yeah, or? and we won uh, the next three. I think we got took 10 out of the next... Um, we took 10 out of the next 12 points, basically guaranteed safety. And I was 100% off the back of it. I was listening to Jeff Horsfield there, and he said, like, they went to Florida. They went five nights out of six. Like, how, how do you, like, you, would you have ever had something that heavy? No, like. Nah, not five nights out of six now. But I remember one of the first ones I ever went on, we, we was, this was at Bolton. And we, uh, we flew into London, and the flights got delayed. And it was, this was training them. Like this was a training one. I think we had one night. Kevin Davis, I think, I said that he he misplaced his passport or something like this, and he uh, he had to come late the next day. And basically, the manager said to him, "Listen, you're either getting the night out, the team night out, you're paying for that, or a week's wages." So obviously, Kev weighed it up, and obviously thought, "No bother, I'll pay for the night out." Little did he know, we went to this place. Sam was making the orders, and he was getting them 500 quid out of the one. <laughs> so, I mean, it was probably a costly oh, night for Kev. But I remember then after uh, we came back, we the flight got delayed. And uh, obviously, I was just, I, I was this one we probably, well, I was the first, I was playing for the, like, in the team at this time. So, I'm over there, so I'm out on the beach, sunning myself and whatnot. So, flights got delayed and we were meant to land back into um, London on the Friday, early Friday. And we were playing Arsenal and Highbury on the Saturday. Obviously, flight gets delayed, 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 delayed. By the time we rocked into, time we rocked into London, it was like late Friday evening. So, obviously, it wasn't the best preparation. And then Saturday, team talking Highbury was listen, lads, like, um, you need to produce here, otherwise I'm gonna get bleed and hammered for having you away and whatnot. And it's just mad. We went out and they scored a last minute equaliser to make a one all. You know, and there was a picture of Kev actually scored in the game. There's actually a picture of me jumping on Kev's back, like, and I'm sunburned. It's, <laughs> it's crazy though because it does. Like, do you know when you know when you're playing a game, and you go, "We've a night out tonight, lads. We have to win." Like, do you know, I can do it, and it actually motivates you more, and it, it definitely does help. Like, um, but like uh, going back to that, was there ever incidences then where like a player would ever be sent home or something for like drinking or staying out too late, missing a training session? No. Nah, and to, to be fair, I have to say a lot of players that I would have definitely played with, like, it's one of them, like, you know, it's work hard, play hard sort of thing, you Never know. Never miss a session. No, nah, no, nah, they'll always be there. Because, I mean, you you got to remember them sort of camps, and I remember other ones in Spain, under different managers, and you, you need, like, if you're going to do it that way, and you're doing it for the group, 
you have to be there, you know. Otherwise, you're ruining it for the group. And that's uh, that's how I would have um, seen it, and that's how I'm sure all the other players at that time would have would have seen it, you know. Has it has it like you know when you first started, then like that kind of bonding sessions or whatever from Bolton to West Ham? Did that change? Do you think? in them couple of years or do you think like it's still there in football? Um, I'm not too sure whether it's still there. It depends what dressing room you get. I suppose over in England, um, especially, like we went into West Ham, it was a great dressing room, you know, and when I signed, obviously, and then you had like the likes of, um, obviously myself, Kevin Allen was there, um, Mark Noble, James Tompkins, Jack Collison, um, Winston Reid, Matty Taylor, all the great lads, you know, James Collins came into it and stuff. So it was like, it was brilliant, but like going back to the same thing, like listen, he, he knew he knew when to walk, like and obviously then there was a time afterwards to enjoy yourself, but it never crossed, like and if the performances and that were dipping, bang, you know he pull it. Mm. I remember we were going, um, so Wednesday used, we used to get the week schedule, like and uh, Wednesday was the, the day off, most weeks, like sort of thing. You were going Saturday to Saturday, and we um, we were going over to watch. Um, Barcelona and Celtic in the new camp. So there was six was gone. It was myself, Kevin Nolan, Andy Carroll, Mark Noble, Tonks, I think, and Ginge. And we were so but the, we got B the Saturday before. So obviously everything was planned. We had the tickets sorted out in the new camp. Flights, hotel. I mean I'm just gonna go for the night, watch the match, fly back on Wednesday, train Thursday. Got to uh so basically we had the the bikes, you know, motorbikes were yeah. coming to the train ground to pick us up to, to miss all the London traffic to drop us off to the airport. And it was all, everything, like, proper timeline, everything was, everything was key. Had the, next of all, we got beat on the Saturday. But the results went too bad, like, in a sense, you know, like, it was just, yeah, it wasn't everyone, we were on a lousy run or that, like this. Motorbikes pulled up into the, into the train ground Tuesday. He'd done a video, and he had a video, and he came in after the video, and uh, he wasn't happy with, um, I think, the, obviously the result on the Saturday and the train, and basically that was it. And he said, listen, and if any of think he's going to Barcelona tonight, he's having another thing fucking coming. And I just sat there at the front thing, and oh, no. And he just pulled it. And the bikes were just left there. And just, Serious? Yeah, and just cruised out the train ground where it was on the back of them. Did you just accept that then? Or ah, yeah, like- there's none of that. You know, and that's the thing about it. That's what I was saying to you earlier on. There's none of this saying, oh, yeah, fuck him, like, or whatever, we're going, well, I'm going to slip off to get to the flight without you know none of that like you know because that's too much respect for him and then if you've done that yeah you could be walking yourself out the door was the lifestyle a big thing to acclimatise to have from going up north down south to London or as they're called the flash people yeah. whatever like so is that a big change I don't know like when I was used to be at Bowen for uh, like for years obviously you get a lot of lads sudden boys or whatever they come up and they be like jeez the weather here it's free and I'm like lads you live in <laughs> London like you know it's not as if you're coming from like Spain and I was like, nah, nah, I'm telling you, it's this, that. But so when I went down there, um, I don't know. For me, it was great. Like I loved London, living, living there, and obviously, and obviously, I'm from Dublin as well. Was it? I love in and around the mix in Dublin, yeah. sort of thing. So to a smaller scale, but London, yeah, it's just like when you get in there and you're you're living there, and you, oh yeah, actually never enjoyed it going down. I suppose with with teams and all that because it seemed really, really busy and really packed and stuff like that. But once you're in the mix, then for me, like I loved it, you know and it's a great place to live. Was it different because 
Bolton's a small area and London then, did you feel like you had your own life to yourself? Maybe at Bolton you'd probably get noticed a bit more. Would you go and open the street in London you get you could do your own thing really like Yeah, definitely so, yeah. I think in London like it doesn't matter, you know. Like there's just so many different nationalities, races, the lot, it's just full on all the time. It's a great place. as I said, once you get into that, like the mixer of it, you just I really just love to, you know, going out going to restaurants going to shows whatever going for a drink and stuff like this it's uh, yeah it was a great place to live whereas as you said in Bolton it's more of a town sort of thing and in and around the area the stadium they're obviously like it's they all love the club like you know so it's uh, when you're going up to the shops and stuff like that like it's most of them are, are Bolton fans yeah. you know um, just looking at some of the players who played with at West Ham but like I remember me and you talking about one player he wasn't there when you were there and I was saying, how does this happen? How did Julian Faubert get a move from West Ham to Real Madrid on loan? <laughs> like, the lads must have spoke about it here. Because I was saying, this guy came up to me at St. Johnson on trial, which I'm thinking, I've just left Exeter City. This guy's leaving Madrid a couple of years ago. This is embarrassing him on trial. He must be really stuck for cash. Like, <laughs> and he comes in and he tells us at Madrid... Uh, First day he arrived at the car, they came in and said, pick out an Audi car or whatever, and he picked out one, he said, it'll be great, and a different colour, and they were like, don't worry, that's sort for you. And I can remember him finishing training with us and going, where's my protein shake? And we were like, what are you talking about? Like, you have to go in and buy your own lunch here, like, you know, it's, it's just a totally different world. How does that happen then, like that? Like, Oh, you having a clue, obviously, he wasn't there. I, I came later on, I played with Julian, and uh, but obviously that the Real Madrid thing is... Yeah, I think it was just how it came about. You must have an unbelievable agent. <laughs> <laughs> Did any of the boys ever go to West Ham? Do you know this is our bridge now to Madrid here? Like, uh, you know, they're, they're uh, definitely that link. Nah, like. I think a lot of them were just like, wow, how did that happen? And then obviously that video came about when I think when he was on the bench and people thought he was asleep on the bench. So I don't <laughs> yeah. think that went down well either. <laughs> That's a very good one, but like in fairness, you take sitting on the bench, wouldn't you, like from Madrid? Yeah, I think it's it. like, do you have nice, like, the heated seats and yeah, stuff like that? Yeah, they so look I think nice. you just, uh, yeah, got a bit too cozy. Ah, sure, look, I'm a, I'm a good man for bench specialists, like, if Madrid need a guy, I'm the guy. Then <laughs> uh, with, like, you you played with, like, guys like Andy Carroll, who we spoke about, like, serious talent, but injuries, like, how is it, like, you, you out of everyone would know what injuries can do for your yeah. career, like, what's... How did it restrict him? Like? Ah, yeah, definitely. Like I think when obviously I would have seen him from afar, like when he was at Newcastle and stuff. And then he went to Liverpool. He came down to us, and uh, like the first few games he was at, uh, he, he played for West Ham. He was unbelievable. Like really was. I remember like centre halves playing against, like seeing them. You know, you just see them. They're broken, like you know. And that's what mm. he, that's what you do to do the centre halves. Just I just see you just see it in them. You know, they just don't want to know. And like, and that's just because of his presence, how he plays, and he's just batters you for 90 minutes yeah. you know he was just relentless and listen it's like the unfortunate thing for him is obviously the injuries stop was so stop start his career really you know and it's like looking back it's a pity like for him because I really think like if he had a goal especially at West Ham because um, of the environment he was in the players he was playing obviously um, Sam as a manager I'm sure he would have definitely like played a lot more games for England would he, he tone it down a small bit in training? We wouldn't be jumping into people all the time. No, yeah, no. Well, I think he's no. He wouldn't be. He wouldn't be like that now. And he'd uh, 
We used to wind him up saying he was the worst trainer, and I think he's had to be involved with that a few times in them soccer AM specials and that when I go to the worst trainer, his name is there or thereabouts, so I think that answers that. There's, there's so much characters when you look at that West Ham team that you play with, and other fellow people talk about talent and you go, what's, what's missing that he didn't, there's Ravel Morrison. What, like, you, talk, you hear people talk about this kid being so good, and then you're like, is it frustrating, was he frustrating at West Ham? Yeah, I listen. remember watching him in a game against Spurs. He destroyed the White Hart Lane. Yeah, he obviously came um, to West Ham from United, and there was obviously a lot of talk about, about this like kid. Obviously at the time, and it was like he's come from United, blah blah blah. And I, he obviously hadn't played. So now, so there was all this talk about when he's doing this, and I suppose quotes off players at United, and I think Alex Ferguson had something about him and all, but he hadn't actually played like senior men's football mm. so it was a bit like okay but he came in and for me that was a problem like that was a problem that he had he was talking about so much without ever actually having done that you know and then it was just so much hyped about and he thought he was this and that because people would say oh Jay he's some talent this player oh he wants to see the talent out of this player but he actually hadn't played any games so when he came to West Ham then he, his actual like tactical sort of um, knowledge of playing and what's needed in playing as a centre midfielder at that level, he hadn't got that. Do you know, yeah. and he, he needed to build that. So obviously, then at times you're playing 23 games, and he's been hyped up that he's he's this, that, and the other. He doesn't want to be playing under 23 games, but he wasn't ready to play 14 games. So that obviously then leads to um, a confrontation between him and like the managers, management, and stuff like that. You know, and he he wasn't there. Uh, he's, he wasn't dedicated to the game. And he wasn't dedicated to learn, improve, and impress, and yeah, listen, um, I see he's still there now and he's up at Sheffield United and it's the same again, really. It's yeah. He got in, he had that moment at West Ham, um, but too few. So you think like, sometimes he was a bit overhyped because do you think his ego got carried away? Like, would you say that or he just surrounded himself? It was definitely overhyped, there's no doubt about that. I mean, when you look back at the games he played and stuff like that, I mean, probably the only games I know he's played was the ones for West Ham, do you know? And yeah. There wasn't that many either, do you know? And, but it's still talked about, oh, he's this and he's that. And I'm sure that when you've been around the so many clubs and you haven't played that many games, it's not because you can't put it on to a manager. It's obviously nicked him a lot of moves, though. Just someone, because all you need is one person to say he's a good player. Like, yeah, and, then and you, I, you as can you said, like, um, technically, yeah, very good. You know, and as a player, technically, very good. But yeah, hard work. Um, like, instance in the training ground, training and professionalism. Hopefully, I don't know, I haven't heard of him in a long time, I've seen how he is, but... Listen, if he has, if he didn't change that, it's. Uh, did he gel with the lads, like, or did he kind of like distance himself? No, yeah, he would have been trying to look out for him. A lot of the lads going back to Kevin Allen, obviously would have dealt with a lot of younger players at the time, and he would have been a young player, so he was trying to direct him in the right way and trying to speak to him and trying to advise him and stuff like that. But he, um, yeah, was. Listen, I think after a while, a lot of the people in the dressing room were basically get, not gave up on him but we're a little bit like listen you can't keep talking to a wall mm. like you know and he's not just he's not listening he's not taking it in he doesn't want to know so people just sort of and that's that's what happened I'm sure with the managers that he's played in and I'm sure after a while the managers just got fed up with him and thought you know what this one was not ta- not to talk to him just yeah. on the, and that's, that's why he's moved um, and then going back to the early days Bolton stuff you actually went to Sheffield Wednesday before making your Bolton debut. Well, like Wednesday's a very good club. I remember playing against them. What, what, what did you learn from going out and loan first? Did you feel like you said, like Morrison didn't play games? Did you feel yeah. I have to play games? Before yeah, I go it was in? huge, huge um, 
huge influence on me career really like you know and went down remember playing and um, went um obviously then was playing reserves like back then it was obviously reserves and um I was like captain and stuff like that. And you're playing, you're hoping to get a force team game. You think, I suppose when you're there and you're just playing, you think, geez, I'm not too far. You're training with the force team. You're obviously captain of the reserves. You're playing games. You're in training with the force team. You're nowhere near it. You know, and that's no. the reality of it is that you're probably nowhere near it. And you're thinking you're getting there and you're not. But there's so many questions because obviously at that time when you're playing in there, it takes you a little while to step away from it to realise, geez, that reserves is more than, you know. And I'd obviously, um, Sheffield Wednesday came in um and went down to like play down there. Went in, it was a great dressing room. And at the time, like Glenn Whelan was there, and um, Chris Brunt was there, and um, Cameron Jones. So like these are the young players as well, like that were sort of like trying to establish a career for yeah. themselves, and starting out in the game as well. And then um, we went down, and it was, yeah, it was, it was great. First game, I remember my debut was in Hillsborough, and we played Hull, so it was a bit of a local derby. And 28,000, 29,000 under the lights it was just unbelievable you know and then in that experience you're getting like and also like you're going in with other lads that obviously I would play like I'd come through like the academy at Bolton but it was like a Premier League club you yeah. know and you're, you're around Premier League players and stuff like that you're probably um, that's all you sort of see at the time but then when you get in or like I remember like team talks and stuff you know like when the captains and stuff like that like they're putting it out on the line to you and you're like, wow, do you know, like, and lads are like, listen lads, like in the team talk saying, listen lads, I lost me bang this week in the Bukies. I need this win bonus to pay the mortgage and you're like, wow, you know, and that's yeah, the reality of it. Like and like that then, so you have that team spirit and you're hearing them sort of stories off the captain, which, and I mean, it's not bullshit, like, you know, no. it's true, like, and so then that, that end, makes you realise like this is proper football you know you're playing proper football here and then obviously first team manager Paul Sturrock was the first team manager at the club like and again you're in the dress room in a first team dress room you're seeing how he deals with players and then obviously going mad like I remember walking off one of the games we were playing Richard Wood one of the lads centre half he'd made a sort of slight mistake just before half time but got away with it like so and he was walking off he was I was walking off beside him. He was like, "Oh, jeez!" I said, "Relax, man." I said, "Done. You got away with it, man. You're mm. grand." Went in and he let him have it. Sturrock did, and I was like, "Whoa!" You know. So you start seeing that side of it. That like where I was probably a bit like, "Oh, jeez, yeah, you got away with it, man. Relax." And he was like, "The manager wanted to make that point to him. He was like, listen, do you know, a young player as well. Woody was saying probably ages me at the time playing. Like, was it? You don't get away with that. You know, it's only luck you got away with it. And if you want to." play for me and keep playing for this club you don't make them mistakes so that's the side of it that you don't get in reserve football yeah. really you know do you think that's like a big difference between say Premier and League 1 League 2 like I only managed to play League 1 but when we were in League 1 like you said manager would be always like you're fucking messing my kids lives and my family's life you're not just fucking up your own like this is everything where like obviously the money's different in the Premier League like it's is that just a main... Is that a big difference, you think, when you drop down the fellas are literally more concerned about every penny counts here, like... Yeah, like, like I suppose bonuses. from that, in that reserve, like, so when I was stepping from there into Sheffield Wednesday, like, and, like, he was saying that in the team talk, like, to say that, obviously, he meant it, but also, like, you can't, like, I suppose, like, going back, like, if I'm... If the dress rooms that I've been in the Premier League, like, if one of the lads comes out and says that, do you know, and I'm thinking... 
Well, he has a 200 grand for Ardio, so it's so, mm -hmm. I mean, I can't really believe <laughs> that he hasn't not had to pay the mortgage this month. Whereas, obviously, you're down there and you're in that environment, you get to know them people, you see, you see that's that's the reality, you know. But there, ah, it matters just as much, no doubt about that. And I think the managers, like, I mean, I've seen them obviously absolutely lose the plot, and I've been on the receiving end as well, you know, so it's uh, it, it matters just as much. Uh, worst manager for completely losing the rag in the restaurant. Oh, listen, I played with a few. Gary Megson, he could blow. Obviously, Sam could blow. Um, so yeah, they'd probably be, um, they'd probably be the two. Yeah, that would be, that would be right up there. Archie Knox was a coach. Archie was obviously was up with Rangers and stuff like that under uh, Walter Smith. It was that United with Ferguson and stuff like that, you know. So he was a coach at Bolton at the time as well. I mean, he could absolutely cut it in half you know and stuff like that so like, Sam I suppose has this presence about him that obviously when he says stuff he's not obviously going mad all the time but you can just say stuff that um, in a way of saying it that it's like you know you can see it like you, you don't want to like personally with me and him as a relationship as well I didn't want to let him down you know so sometimes mm -hmm. he'd hammer you but also then he'd say stuff to you in a maybe in a team talk or half time or after the game and it was disappointing you know you see and that's why that's why he's such a good manager, you know. He knew when to them timings of when the lads need a rollicking here or the lads need to a pick up or the lads need to me not to say anything or stuff like that. And I think that's that's one of the keys of, of a manager. Like you can you can't you can't just be seen to be going in every game half time or after a game and just be predictable saying, Oh, you got beat right, I'm gonna hammer I'm gonna go through four of the lads over here every time. Cause after that then it's just yeah like here we go again do you know sort of thing but like did you ever get like say a player go back for Allardyce or someone you just go shut up don't say yeah, a word yeah well Kev would be one of them like because obviously he'd be captain and stuff like that so he'd might like um, he might say something like you know that and uh, obviously he's probably saying something and Kev might come back and tactically just maybe change like you know and then it's like gets a little bit heated and you're a bit like wow Kev you know, like how many hold grudges? No, definitely not. No, definitely not. And um, nah, and I don't think you can. I don't think you can as a manager. I think, especially like, like you know the personality of your, of your players, and you know the personality definitely of your captain. That's why you're a captain, and mm. I'm sure. Um, like with stuff like that, it's um, with him. And I'm listening to young things. I've had, I've gone in with managers. I suppose Sam. I suppose talk a lot of say if you drop me and stuff like that and you're waiting you're going in you can have an area had arguments with me you know in in the in the office and stuff like that and it's fairly heated you know when you're walking out the door raging you know two days later you're in trance all right you know you might make a comment jays you're still going mad at me or whatever you know and that's it it's done because i think you're over there so long you're over there and you're in that environment um it's very difficult like and if you do hold the grudge for a long time you're not gonna play <laughs> no it's true isn't it um, when you went back then to Bolton, made your debut, came on for Hero, not a bad fella to replace. Like, what, what kind of, what did you think after that game? Do you think like I've made it? No, I've done my apprentice. I'm back. You know, this is me in here. Nah, um, no, not really. Like, I came on for Fernando. Was only playing Yeovil. Like, it was only a car, like a cup, whatever it was called then, the Carlin Cup sort of league cup thing. So it wasn't really like I sort of knew. Like, listen, it's the only Yeovil here. Do you know, we are a Premier League football club, so. You went for the Premier like to to get in the Premier League sort of thing. So then when I came back off the Sheffield Wednesday, it was the last game of the season. Um, and me and Ricardo Vaste and we me and Ricardo Vaste came through the academy together and the two of us were on the bench and it was the last game of the season and I'm sure like 
as everyone knows, last game of the season, like it's a chance when managers probably unless it's like going for the title or something, you're getting relegated. The season is probably you know where you're gonna be in the league and stuff like that. So they throw a few young kids on the bench and it's like stick them on for ten mm. minutes or whatever. And yeah, so I was on the bench and um me and him are warming up and must have been warming up for like how times change. Like if I'm on the bench now you might get me out for a ten minute warm up, I must have been warming up for sixty minutes non stop and then it was like two subs in I think maybe and then I was like me or him it was obvious it was going to be me or him and I uh, I got the show ahead of him so we had a bit of crack on the sideline saying I was saying yeah here we go <laughs> a few quid coming in with a, a player of uh, an appearance and then uh, I just got on there for a few minutes but then obviously you went away and that summer must have thought this is a big summer for me now yeah definitely went away trained really hard and came back and um, came back in the pre-season um, with the fourth team went away obviously and um, yeah you're looking to play and because obviously I'd played the games with Sheffield Wednesday and done quite well there so obviously I suppose um, reputation wise now I had a bit of a reputation outside not obviously in the Premier League but outside like in league clubs and stuff like that so I wanted to go and play and came in pre-season played obviously usual sort of pre-season games and I remember it was actually a thinking back to one of the pre-season one of the first pre-season training sessions and I would have been fairly fit because I would have kept myself going all the time and I remember I doing like a little sort of possession small sort of game thing Ivan Campo was there and he absolutely levelled me and cut me in half with a bad tackle and <laughs> I just got up and whatever ground but looking back now like you know there was probably part of it thinking hang on a minute you're only a little whippersnapper yeah, exactly. you're, you're still a nobody you know Man. and uh, but then as the season started I wasn't in the team I wasn't in the squad few weeks of that couple of months of that I think jeez I need to get out of here like what's going ha- what's happening here and then the European qualifier started and we just qualified for the UEFA Cup um, the season before so then that season started and then um, we played a Bulgarian crowd over there and it was like the last round of the qualifier to get into the group stages and he played me do you know and um, I obviously done alright we qualified but that European thing for me was a huge thing that year you know we had a strong squad and he was sort of doing it on sort of two fronts he sort yeah. of wanted a big enough squad so and the Premier League was the priority I suppose at the start so I was able to get a few games in the European games and I played a game in uh, Besiktas in the group stages um, and it was unbelievable uh, atmosphere like on the night and stuff with this place was absolutely rocking and it went quite well for me personally we drew one all and I think after that game I'm not too sure I never really spoke to him about this but I think after this game it was, he probably must have thought right I have to play this I have to play this kid and we went in it was like a Thursday it would have been a league game on the Sunday and we went back and went in for a video and I was thinking to myself now we had some great players like at the time don't get me wrong but you need to have that bit of buoy about you you, know? yeah. you need to have a bit of ego as well at this time like, uh, you need to believe in yourself and you need to be thinking listen I don't care I want to play ahead of this and as I said, we had a list of players, especially in central midfield, that were like top, top players. Like, I mean, you had JJ, Kevin Nolan, Gary Speed, Hidetoshi Nakata, like some big names and that. And, but I was like, I want to play here. I'm ready to play. I'm being performances from the RNI. And then you put the team up and I just looked at the centre. I'm sure you've done this yourself. You just look at your position you played to see mm. if you're there or not. And I wasn't there in the centre. And I was thinking, ah, here. And just by chance, we were just going back through the team, and I just seen my name at right foot, and I was just like random, <laughs> and that was it. 
and nothing said. And that's where you just became a rightful yeah, all of a sudden. Yeah, <laughs> and nothing said. Went out and the, the day before the game, went out and he, Sam would always probably do a, like a tactic walk on the day before, like walk through set players and 11 v 11, how we're playing, stuff like this. And he just, that was it. And he just said, right, we're playing this, we're going to do this, this is how we're going to play or whatever. Nothing said, went out and played. But did you think like, I'm a centimetre, I want to play a centimetre, I'm better than them, don't be, sometimes, no, I'm not, not trying to be disrespectful, sometimes you go, I'll throw my back because like, I'll keep the lads happy, centimetre, they're senior players. Nah, definitely not, I'd never thought that, listen, I... That sounds a bit disrespectful no, there, look. No, but like, he ended up making a career out of it, so it's the best thing that could have happened. You're, you're after dissing fullbacks like, there now, I think. No, yeah. I was like, like, some managers think that they go, I'll throw, he's not a senior player yet, I can't be throwing him ahead and losing, like, Egos like a catcher and stuff, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, let's maybe so, like, but I suppose he probably looked at that. And I think at the time, um, I think at the time, where I was playing really full was out injured. I mean, I was playing, they were playing, he was playing centre half out really full, and I think could have been Tal Ben was the centre half. And Tal obviously, I think, went to him at the time playing really well centre half. And I think Tal sort of went to him and said, Listen, I don't want to be playing really full, I want to be playing centre half. Now, I'm not too sure. If that was exactly what happened and he was felt himself that he was in such a strong position that he was saying listen I'm not playing my fault so yeah. don't play me if you don't want to play me centre half don't play me but in the end it, that opened up that right full position which probably at that time was maybe a little bit of a not problem already but obviously he has right full was injured so he um, he just sort of yeah threw me in I suppose I played like um, as a defensive midfielder, I suppose. So, like, mm. relatively speaking, you could play there. And at times, would have went in centre half and stuff in the reserves and stuff like this, you know. So, I would have probably defensively been um, more t- in that process. So, it was just one of them, like I suppose. And he just stuck me in there. And then, yeah, luckily, listen, you look back on it now and you probably think I wouldn't have probably got ten games playing centre midfield. So it was probably a great no. thing, you know. Well, it you was a great thing. You're a lot to tell Ben Haim anyway, so is, is it? <laughs> but like, um, other characters there, Juff you played with, or Kotcha, like, what is that character's like in the dressing room in Bolt? And everyone can see their talent on the pitch, but what are they like in the dressing room then to be um, with? Unbelievable people. And I, like, I know, and people like talk about these blokes and say, like, oh, yeah, some, what was he like as a player? What was he like a player? JJ Kotcha probably one of the nicest players, nicest men I ever came across. Do you know what? Same with Elhaji, like, and I now obviously gets a bit of stick from spitting and all this sort of mm. disgust and stuff, but I have seen him, you know, like, on a personal note and how he is with people and how he is with, like, kids and when you go to hospitals and, you know, you see that side of him that's, like, he's unbelievable, you know, and he's a really nice fella and um, technically outstanding player. Stories about him said he's different in a group to individual is he is that true like ah, is listen, he more he was like, a showman and we loved it you he know, loves attention come in, like, yeah of course like he was a showman you know he'd have a car and the car was like blading something out of like back to the future like all wings <laughs> and all this sort of jazz and it. you know so he was definitely a car that he, his clothes that he'd wear were all flashy and the, the diamonds and stuff like that so if you just looked at it from that sort of thing you think hey, who's that man think he is <laughs> but when you actually see him in the dressing room and you're with him and you're on the training pitch with him and stuff like that you know he's uh you get to know him, and that's mm. that's the thing. Like you get to know these people then on a personal level, and yeah, it was r- a really nice guy, you know. And a very I'm very good flash. No, nah, not really. In, in a sense of wouldn't have been like that, um, like that sort of stuff. But yeah, like I remember one of the first times, and uh, I would have went over as a white tea, like so. Obviously, you're in the uh, cleaning the dressing rooms and stuff like that. But 
you know, you like in the cars and stuff like that. We're probably one of the first players you see the cars. You're like, oh, wow, you know, these are the cars you mm. see as a kid. Looks out of thing. He was driving them, you know. But again, it's like really nice fella, like you know. What about like Enelka? Because when he went to Arsenal and everything, he was he he did an amazing career. Yeah. But again, you kind of think he could have done a bit more, couldn't yeah, you? Yeah, I think going back to what I said earlier on about Sam and all you were saying about what he was able to get out of players, this was another thing. This was, uh, I think, um, with uh, Nico, he wanted to play in the Champions League and he'd obviously had been in England and stuff like that and had left and then he was at, uh, he was over in Tokyo, I think he was. Yeah, I think he was over in Tokyo and I think Sam basically went to him and said, listen, um, here's an opportunity to come in, play for me, play in the Premier League We'd obviously been in the, uh, we just qualified for the Europa League again. Mm. So, um, and I'm sure he was able to sell it to him. Listen, smashing the goals in here, you'll get your move. But at the minute, none of the top four are ringing you. So I'm giving you this platform to come in. And he did, and he took it. And he came in, and then whatever, I don't know, 18 months later, he was at Chelsea. Yeah, so you could, like, he had that determination. Did he? A superb player, in? I remember his first train session, you know. You could, came in obviously I, I would have um, like seen him at Arsenal because I loved Arsenal as, as a kid sort of thing we're watching them and all how he playing and so I would have seen him then and obviously seeing this kid and then he goes to Real Madrid and he has this career you're like whoa and then um, he came back in his first training session back um, up at Bolton he was um, he trained like and it was his best training session probably forever that I'd seen him at, at the club and I think it was just a real sign of his first day you're going back to saying we thought about yeah, being on trial obviously he wasn't on trial but you you just sort of exactly. testing to see right what is what are these like or what's the standard like here I'm sure he wasn't worried about what the standard was like in training but he just wanted to put the marker down to say listen I'm the man you know and, yeah. and he clearly was you know he was unbelievable player like and then he went obviously and smashed goals we were struggling and at that time Sam had left and uh, he scored goals obviously in the in the league and that and then to he went to Chelsea. But yeah, going back to what he was, sound fella. Do you know really was like um I think he got a bit of people saying he was a bit of a um He's called the Sulk, wasn't he? Wasn't he? I was young enough at the time and that like you know, and he probably um he probably didn't really get involved with like the real senior older players as much. But it what but he'd be in the gym doing his walk and stuff like that and you could talk to him about football and he talked to the younger lads to be great with the younger lads and stuff uh, like t- telling you little things and technique and what you need to work on and stuff like that you know so for me he was uh, he was sound one thing I want to go back to there you're on about Arsenal been a big fan now Bolton against Arsenal mm-hmm. what was it like everyone seems to just think Allardyce Arsenal just what was it that he had over yeah, him and he that. had over him yeah. what would you do building up to that week like Is it, I think like Again, going back to that team, when we started, we had a lot of players and I was seeing as if, oh, this is little old Bolton and whatever, and he was Bolton and all this, right, which was that. But the mentality that Sam created inside the group was, it wasn't, do you know? It wasn't that you're playing for this, like, a town sort of thing. It was like, we're, we've assembled these players from all over the world. And these were the talks, like, look at the players that you're with, where you come from, you know, this is what we are in this dressing room. We can go out and play anyone. And the lads just really fancied it. And they had belief in themselves that, we were better than them players, which probably when you look back and you're thinking, hang on a minute, like we obviously weren't, mm. you know. But um, he was able to create that, and you went out, and uh, they didn't like coming, didn't like the way they played. We had some physical players, obviously, and they didn't like it, you know. That's the reality as well. So Kevin Davis at the time was playing centre forward, Abdullah Foy was playing 
as a player. Then you have then you mix that in then with the quality of like El Hadji Jof higher up the pitch, Kevin Allen, Stelios, technically gifted players. Then you know, and so it was a it was a mix that I suppose at the time. Because it always like, really like you beat Arsenal, but Arsene would always come out giving out. He'd never yeah. give you ever credit. And did you enjoy that, or did you go? Will he ever give us credit? Like, no, no, yeah, he definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, and obviously Sam knew that as well. And I think one year, to be fair, I think we knocked him out uh, in the FA Cup one year. And I thought, you know, you want to run in the FA Cup like and after beating them. And I'm not too sure. I don't, I don't know whether they were like, um, we, I think it was definitely the FA Cup. And I knew we'd done them. In, and I was like, oh, here we go. Like, you know, you have a chance at this, but it didn't last long. You're gone the next round. So maybe <laughs> we upped it as well for them. <laughs> I remember that game. Did Freddie Lumberg miss an open goal or something? Was that? Did he? Yeah, right. Look at him. He's like Arsene Wenger. Look at him, Lanny Pettit. I listen. We didn't play the type of form. I'm not saying we definitely didn't play the way Arsenal plays, you know, and that sort of thing. Like, but he's seen a weakness in their team, and that's what he was great. I have to say that's one of the things that I was talking about. How good a manager is. That's what he was great manager for. He was able to spot a weakness in an opposition, and man, he drilled you into doing that, you know. And, and he, so, for instance, with them, he would have looked at it and thought, listen. These two centre halves can't defend or won't like how we're going to play it up to Kev, you know. And Kevin Davis was not many players like playing against Kev, but the way he, he he set them up then to play off it and then to get the ball out to El Hadji and stuff like that, you know, that was like a tactic that you would have walked on in the week going into the game. So, and uh, obviously it proved quite effective. And that's listen, you don't have that success he had as a manager unless you're a good manager tactically, you know. And in fairness, I mean, that Arsenal wasn't as easy to bully. I mean, yeah, Vieira was still in the middle of the field there, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, imagine yeah. what you do to the current uh, yeah. Arsenal team. Well, it's funny, you go, I always remember <laughs> Kevin Davis' first game. Like, I mean, he, uh, not Kevin Davis' first game, uh, Vidic's first game at United. He played centre-half. It was about against Bolton, and Kev was playing centre-half. And, I mean, I'm sure your man remembers it, you know, <laughs> definitely. Like, because you're looking at it thinking, whoa. Who was this fella? You know, and he had that. He could do that here. You know, he could do that to centre half just because of how he played and how physically he was. You know, and yeah, that's what he was able to do with the Arsenal. And then Allardyce leaves. Obviously, huge success, and Sammy Lee comes in as assistant. Do you think that was a good thing? Obviously, in hindsight, he's not lasted long. But you think no, it needs a change. No, do you know sometimes you just keep that same. Did he keep the same mentality, or did he try and change it? No, yeah, he tried to change it, and. Um, I don't know whether it was um, what way that was done. Did, like Sam moving or did he give him the reins? I'm not too sure. But he was, uh, yeah, he tried to change it um, too much. Sammy Lee is for me a fantastic coach. Like on the training pitch, probably one of the best coaches I've ever worked with. Like mm-hmm. for sessions and uh, content of his sessions and putting them on and enthusiasm and getting lads going and un- unreal. Like and when he became manager, he stopped really doing that. He st- I don't know whether he felt that he needed to break away a little bit from the players and not be out there as much or not take every training session which I felt he should have you know because he was that good a coach and that was his strength so he changed that which and then obviously personnel he brought in his own players and stuff like that which um, yeah it didn't it didn't work out and like obviously then he, I don't think he lasted too long like you know no 11 games it's like but that's obviously it's hard as well when you're following Allardyce that fans will just go uh-huh. you should keep winning games like but and then Megson comes in, like you said, you great time for him. Now, again, I listened to a thing about Megson. They said he's the type of manager who would before a fella run more 
and the team outrun a team didn't win a game kind of that kind of way they said like was it was his training that hard like was it all no it was training and- wasn't it training wasn't that hard to be fair he came in he done a great job about it talk about credit he doesn't get the credit that, um he, he deserved uh um but when he took over to be fair would have had a real aid in squad um, there wouldn't have been many young players in the in the group anymore, and I think one of the one of the worst things that can happen to a football club is when your older players are coming towards the end, but they're still your bigger earners. And if that happens, it's a, it's it's bad it's bad planning mm. really from a football club point of view. And that sort of was just starting to happen. So for for Gary when he came in had to get rid of some serious players like big big names like big big characters now still able to perform I'm not saying they were finished but well still able to perform but just getting to that age where you're thinking listen and then on the wage bill as well do you know so he had to change that a lot brought Gary Cahill in signed him from Villa I think for 5 million 6 million obviously sold him then on to um, Chelsea like whatever 15 20 million Brought him in, young player. Brought in Chung Young Lee, South Korean boy, smashing player. So changed a lot of the dynamics. Other players as well. So he was able to do that and stabilise. And obviously we had a good crack at Europe and stuff like that. But nah, I think as a coach and from a training point of view, listen, he was he had a he had a way about him, which because of how he was on the actual match time from like three o'clock, a quarter to three till five o'clock. You know, he was very intense like in that period of time. But he wasn't really like that around the place. And in training, he, he, I didn't think he was like that. You know, his training was tough, don't get me wrong, but the sessions were pretty enjoyable. And he was, uh, I, I thought he was really good, to be honest. And yeah, he didn't get the credit he deserved. Probably got sacked too early, really. When you're saying about like all the lads trying to get out and the wage bill, was it, did they leave? Like, you know, that kind of way as in straight away, were they happy to go? Or was it a case of, I have my money here, I'm staying in for a while? You know, you see that in a just yeah. young. Yeah. Of course, you have that respond like that sort of that sort of it as well. But he would have looked at that and think, right, I need to get this going again here, and you need to sort of come to agreement with lads or try and move them on. And I suppose in that time, it, there was massive turnover of players. Like you know, I'm sure like Joe would have left, Janet Coppers would have left, Gary Spear would have left, Kevin Nolan left. You know, these sort of players, huge huge personalities, and still very good players. So he was able to try and replace them. Obviously, was there any any lads just stayed and they were like, I'm not going to make some desk to get him open. Was like. I'm running you. I'm running you into the ground that kind of way. You know, some managers yeah. do that. They're like, I have to be, I have to get you out like, yeah. for the good of the club. I'm not, like. I'm not, um, not too sure whether there was anyone really like that. I think they did move. But, of course, it's a difficult time. Do you know, it's that that whole thing is difficult for football clubs at any level, really, mm. you know, because obviously there's a, most of the times, the lads are sound. Do you know, and then you're in that dressing room and, you get to know these players and then they're sort of what you were saying they get like sort of they're trying to get them out and they can't get rid of them and they're sort of shunned away from it and it happens at all levels of football you know and it's it's one of the not like the nice it's not a nice thing you know and it's not nice to be seen because as you said you can get to know that player and as a player then there's not really a lot you can do like you yeah. know really to you can't step in or try to get involved you know like I'm sure that's what the clubs are trying to do they're just trying to get rid of an, a player and try bringing in an, an, like an asset sort of thing so it's yeah it's one of the things that's probably not the best thing in football like. moving on to international scene for a player who's played in the Premier League for so long and I think I've read about you criticising Trap Tony one stage you probably sh- 
should have earned more caps, would you think? Would you feel yourself? Definitely, listen, I wouldn't say it's a regret, but when I look back and I think the amount that I've played, yeah. Um, and when you think like lads and like who get caps now, do you feel this yeah. is a joke I've played in Premier League? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say that. Like, I obviously, Not a joke, but I yeah. should have earned more. Like. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, and I think at times it was definitely a couple of years where minimum, like I'm saying a couple of years, but there's definitely a couple of years where like, uh, West Ham Championship and you got promoted and then obviously a couple of years then in the Premier League like where I was in squads and never really got played and never really played me you know and um, what never do you think gave that me was? any game time don't know really to be honest obviously listen there was I'm sure I learned I frustrated like I remember one game we played someone it's going back now when I was at Bolton just before I hurt my knee and um, we went away for the Ireland camp and at that time you couldn't um, you couldn't even have I think it was only 18 you could have on the bench so obviously the squad was 23 or whatnot. so there was five lads going to be in the stand and I was in the stand and then afterwards went back to England getting ready for the game was speaking to one of the lads out of the newspaper and basically just said about the Ireland thing and I, I, I passed the comment now whether it offended him in any way that then the Years later, he yeah. still held it against him. I'm not. I don't think so. Probably it didn't. I'm not too sure. It bothered me more how obviously the press um, made made Tarned it into it. and turned it into what he did and the bother that that caused me and um, more of my family, I suppose, with comments that he made. That um, I think I think that definitely could have went against you because managers managers definitely people say I don't hold a grudge, but they do. They definitely do. Like I mean, you said the press, and I I read it, and I was like, they've torn. It was torn a bit weird that you're being critical of a manager who's probably gone. I think you were 22 at the time, going, who's this 22 year old telling me like Trapattoni had achieved a lot? What I'm doing? He probably did take a lot of disrespect to it, and managers do hold grudges. Like it's such a lie when people say they don't. Like it's well, such a lie. Wasn't it a suggestion that he heard? He held it against Andy Reid for catching him playing the guitar, was it? Yeah. Um, did he arrive in when he was when he was in full sing song yeah. mode and, and didn't didn't yeah. didn't entirely appreciate it? Yeah, it wasn't happy. Yeah, I was actually there that night. Andy's great on the guitar, yeah. so yeah. it's uh, he probably was the only one that wanted Andy to finish. Well, why but, is he upset with a lad playing a guitar? Like, having oh, I don't know whether it was that. I don't think it was actually in particular with Andy on the guitar. I think it was maybe that um, the lads were having a few drinks yeah. and it was like I think he's seen probably. Like this isn't going to be one or two quiet points here, mm, and I think yeah. he just wanted the end sort of thing, and that was, I think Andy was obviously on the guitar, so he was <laughs> uh, brilliant, and obviously the lads was singing and stuff like that. So I don't know then whether he just directed at Andy because he was like as you said, like sort of the on guitar, like yeah, sort of thing. But now going back to it, I learned a valuable lesson there, and uh, with that press thing, and I listen, it burnt me as I said, and I was. Didn't didn't speak to anyone really about it for a lot long long time, you know. And uh, but it would have bothered me a lot more. I'm not saying the press thing would have bothered me a lot more if I hadn't got back and played for Ireland. And mm. um, looking back on it now, like I suppose if that period of time, um, as I said, after I made that comment, it was pretty much my knee went on me, so I didn't play for about two years, two and a half years. So then regrets about what I said. Were obviously um, festering in me really, and I obviously couldn't put them to bed yeah. in a sense because even if I was fit and I could have spoke to the manager, if you know what I mean, and I'm sure obviously at the level I was playing at, he would have probably 
um, maybe spoke to him or I would have realised listen I've actually caused a defence here to him and he isn't putting me in the squad so I probably would have been able to go out but as I said I wasn't able to play that many games afterwards so I didn't know whether it bothered him or it didn't bother him so it was only like later on but listen he, he put me back in the squad and he, he uh, gave me another like, game so which I was obviously grateful for because like I said it was one of my aims to, to get back and play after how well that was sort of portrayed in the media and the fallout I had because these people obviously don't know you personally and what it means for me to be being Irish and what it meant to me over there um, playing and how important that Irishness was to me in England and um, in dressing rooms and stuff is said and stuff like that you know and I like I remember having an argument like um, with Colin Henry on the football pitch one time he made a comment and I was only in the door and I snapped back on him like and at the time he was a senior real senior pro like and you know that com- like it was them little things that you have inside you that um, that keeps the bon- like keeps the fire burning you know and that mm. being Irish for me was a huge huge part of that and then how they portray that in the papers about this fella and he's this and he's walking out in the and he doesn't want to be involved in it and now it bothered me a lot like you know so I had to go back and play um, but as I said it bothered me family because they're, they're, they were the ones living over here and reading it you know you obviously thought that was very unfair the way it was reported did you because like when you go- we were googling you know and what did this you know it says I'm thinking about retiring from Ireland ah, well actually I don't think I ever stuff. said that and that was the problem yeah. like, they mm. made it out as if it was that and then it was all like who's this fella think he is and he's this and he's that I was just saying that my point was and I suppose they turned this way it was just oh yeah playing for Ireland I said well it's not playing for Ireland why not I don't see myself playing for Ireland because I'm not I'm in the tracksuit you know and listen I made a comment oh, but it's not the same you're looking fine you're eating the track uh, uh, you're in the stand mm. listen and I came across I don't know I was probably speaking here and that was a way of I spoke too honest at the time and I realised that you know but mm. they then portrayed it and then I got dragged up and it was all this sort of jazz that this fella thinks he's this and he's not going to play for Ireland who's he think he is and all this and I'm listening to these people like thinking you don't know anything about me do you know you don't know what it means to me what it means for me to be Irish like sort of thing and going over to England and going over at 15, 16 and living over in England and keeping that and one of the main things I took unbelievable like um I was like sort of I had that mentality of I don't know whether it's something that's in Irish people like when you have that sort of patriotism to where you're from and I definitely had it like you know and going over to England like I wanted to make sure it was part of me to succeed was that you know was right I'm up against lads here in the academy English lads you know and this probably is the wrong way to be but it was like man you're no rep- English fella's going to beat me you're representing kind of thing yeah mm. I want to put Ireland I want to make sure Irish lads are here and they're seeing the reputation grows that Irish football is strong and a place to go place for players you know going back then to West Ham uh, Allardyce left and Billage came in and it was your last year you played for the club what what changed when he came in because obviously when he first came in he was adored by West Ham fans and again that ended in a bad way but what, what did he come in and change very good. My body changed for me personally, and it was bad in a sense. It was, I just sort of, I think when you get, don't know, but you have like little throughout your years. Obviously, I had bad knee injuries and stuff like that. But like when I after I left Bolton, I never had a problem with my knee. So which, like mm. people like put in details. Didn't I went to West Ham with dislocated my shoulder. I had to have surgery on it. That was the longest I missed um, through an injury really. But that year, it's just for me, I think I would have started the first game of the season. We um, he came in. I remember we played the European qualifiers, and 
there was like 45,000 in Upton Park. The place was on wheels and we were playing some team from Andorra, man. I don't even know who, what they were called. And he had that from the fans because the fans loved him. Yeah. And um, he changed, obviously, the way we played. We obviously brought in a new coach and staff. And he signed two players that were game changers. And they took the level on the team above. And look, I look back and think... Is that Poyet? Yeah, Dimitri Poyet and Manuel Lanzini. Two special players. And uh, for me personally, yeah, as I said, they just kept on getting little niggles, you know, and just couldn't get a run, couldn't get a flow in my body and that. And uh, would have started, I think, the first game of the season. Um, and who knows, but... Um, then with him, though, he tactically changed how he played, but it's all the players, you know. He had, he had a good... Well, I think he's on paper saying this. I think he had a... Structurally, he had a like, good goalkeeper and a good back four. You could probably say back six of players that... Um, understand well-drilled defenders um, playing at that level great age um, profile in the defenders at that time and then higher up then again had midfielders and that, that new Premier League but then he was able to add players and he added obviously um, Dimitri and Manuel that were special players you know that brought the club to that year under him that first year under him was exciting times When you were saying though, you were picking up injuries again in your news after was his training totally different to Allardyce and were you was it more physically demanding or no me knee was sweet it was just little niggles it wasn't that it was physically I don't know looking back on me maybe you can get injured in that. he obviously had a different training week and obviously um, so a lot of the weeks on the sand if you are going Saturday to Saturday you train you train on Saturday Sunday be um, cool down or whatnot. Monday you'd start back up second day recovery you know yourself second day mm. recovery or a little bit lighter Tuesday would be a real work day Um on that Sam like you'd be like you'd be runs and fitness and stuff like this conditioning day Wednesday would be your day off and then Thursday Friday you're building into the game yeah. on a Saturday Thursday could be unit work working on your defence or midfield attacks whatever Friday then obviously names the team most times going into and then playing on a Saturday Slavin obviously had a slightly different model and he uh, it's more European sort of model where they, they play on the they tra- play Saturday sorry train Sunday warm down Monday sort of the day off and then they build into Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday into right, Saturday that's a good chunk of days yeah, in a so row that's how like, they do it so I'm not too sure whether that had any effect on why I was picking up little niggly injuries but anyway it did and I couldn't get into a run of things and obviously the team were doing really well and um, yeah so that last sort of season for me petered out really you know and then you went a year and a half I know you went back training with Bolton. Yeah. But you went a year and a half without playing. Did you ever think, like, I'm finished? I'm, I'm, I don't want to play anymore or what? what? No, because, again, what happened to me, like, the way it happened at the end of West Ham, I, was, I didn't want it to end like that. And, um, like, I, I could have left in January and um, went in and um, I was nowhere near his team. I ended up playing Liverpool in the FA Cup game up in Anfield. Played, and I think it was near probably the 30th of January or something like this or whatever and next the last day of the transfer window I was going to Sunderland Sam was coming out to rescue me again <laughs> so I was going to Sunderland day was done chairman was happy for me to go um, I was out of contract obviously at the end of the season I had a period of time there and basically Ward came and he just needed to square it with the manager so we went in obviously thinking been nowhere near the bench yeah. obviously nowhere near that this would be a no brainer and he was like nah I can't let you go Obviously, I had more over him uh, yeah. before training. Why wouldn't he leave you all? And he was like, nah, listen, I can't. You're going to play for me on Tuesday. 
one of the lads at the time potentially he got a head knock in the game against Liverpool that's why I went on so he was could have been a little bit concussed or some of this sort of stuff and I was like listen I need to get out of here and he was like nah nah I don't know blah. I said right well give me a new contract wouldn't give me a new contract in the end didn't give me a new contract and um, I didn't, <laughs> didn't play so oh my God. comes the end of the season I was like well I'm gone anyway he was like listen I should have probably let you go but I want to keep you around. I think, obviously, you've sort of got over a little bit, maybe the injuries. We'll give you a contract, but it's going to be on reduced terms. And I was like, okay, fair enough. So I was waiting for the reduced terms to come in. Obviously, ended up getting an email saying, see you after. <laughs> so that was the end of it, you know. And then I was just thinking, it was like a little bit. Is that bit. like, that's disrespectful to you twice. Yeah. I mean, in January, one, to hold you there against you, knowing that you were probably out of contract and you, you were playing, go to Sunderland, prolong it. But then... Yeah. To tell you that there would be something coming, you go home and tell your family, don't worry, I have something, fair enough, it's less money, but we're grand, we'll be here. Of course. Yeah, definitely. Like, it was, uh, yeah, it was a bit of hill to swallow, like, without a doubt, like, you know, it was just, as you said, I was expecting something, and then, um, to not have it, and then I was like, wow, like, Roy, what's going on? And then, looking around, and then I got a, like, looking back now, real, I don't know what you call it maybe like an innocuous injury and I think it was probably down to just like I was out of the club I was training too much um, train, over trained and gripped the bat too tight wanted it too bad probably and wanted to show managers and stuff that I'm still fit and I'm yeah. probably 30 at this day 31 I was probably like doing too much and body broke down and uh, blew out the tendon in my calf muscle nasty injury and couldn't get it right and went all over the world to try to get it right really Worked with a private physio and um, forced up Manchester, then ended up going off to Canada and ended up going to Canada for eight weeks. And the lads were great. And um, I, I went six months too late, looking back on it now. And I think if I had I went there, forced off, um, would have got back and got something um, decent in England. Shows you the other side of the coin there, though, doesn't it? Like how you can't blame players for hanging on to a, con- hanging on to a contract and money when they have it, where, whereas a club is willing to cut you off just like that it's brutal it's a brutal yeah. business like. yeah and listen when you get that contract or never walking out in the wind yeah who like would no one is in any job and that's the whole thing it's like what do you want to do well I mean I'm sure that the player said listen you have have three years left here and the deal you want rid of me give me the three years money I got and clubs don't clubs will say right, well, we'll give you seven months or nine months you're not going to do that. Like, no. you know? And look it, at the grief the lad at Sunderland got. Like, what's his name? Uh, Rodwell. Rodwell, yeah, for, for holding on to his money. Which, well, like, why if wouldn't you he? watch that documentary, they're telling him, get out of the club, but he's nowhere to go. Like, if someone comes into you and says, leave your job there, and you go, why? Do you know what I mean? It's a bit of a joke. Like, when it comes to that, I don't understand why people can ever give out about a fella who's going, I'm still willing to play every week. It's different if he says, I'm not going to play for you ever again. Then you say, yeah. get out of the club. Mm. But if a lad is there, and just because fans might say, your form's gone, and it's a bit like Garrett Bale, like when they gave him the five-year contract, they were happy to give it to him. <laughs> but like, you can't just all of a sudden, if a fella's form goes, it's not going to be the same player you signed five years ago in that contract. Like It's a bit of a joke. Like Did it sour you to the professional game a little bit in England? Uh, no, but obviously just towards the end of the year, the West Ham did, but... Leading on to that then, it was now, went oh, we probably went off topic there, I was never going to walk away then without getting back to play at some level. Now don't get me wrong, when I, got, I went over to Canada, came back, as I said, met, walked over there with some great guys, like rehab fellas and stuff like that, they were like brilliant, you know, and the setup over there was brilliant, it was doing like, 
we're in like um, we were over there and then it was in Vancouver and the lads were linked with like they had their own sort of clinic and lived on site for that period of time and three sessions a day sort of stuff for a period building up brilliant you know and yeah just went a bit too late and then by the time we came back time had moved on you know and then like what I probably had when I went to West Ham I was 23, 24 or whatever you're at a good age club's probably going to take a punt whereas 30, 31 they're probably not you know and they're looking at this player after the amount of time that I've been out from the injury I'll probably think ah oh, yeah listen that's he's gone he's not going to get back to this level um, and then the offers to go and play yeah they just in a way I suppose done nothing for me and it wasn't that going back to it wasn't like a bitterness that I didn't do that it was just at the time my wife was pregnant she was about to have the babies probably just had the baby no about to have the babies and I was just thinking man I'm not going up to Nottingham or you know I don't know one of these clubs up the northwest and just bounce around in a hotel while she's still living down yeah. here I wanted to be around them and there was nothing there great and um, that's that's why I, I suppose came back to Dublin to obviously live and raise the kids and obviously play for Shamrock Rovers but I remember we wrote and you said to me it was always something you wanted to do anyway and yeah were you saying that the move came about because you actually instigated it? Yeah, well, it was something that I always wanted to do in the sense of going and playing, like going watching League of Ireland games, which I would have done. My dad was would have been from uh, Inchy Car, so he's a Pats man, so um, would have grew up around the corner from Inchy Car. So we'd always go to games, you know, like he'd bring us there as kids. Then obviously all the like brothers, cousins, friends, Rovers fans, he'd be going to them games. Then obviously like and you go up and start supporting your own team, and so we'd always do that. And then after. Um, through obviously when the the way the season is in England with the summer off like and I would have come back home for a period of time you'd always come and catch Rovers games you know and uh, in the summer like in that summer period the way the season runs over here so you're still there going to watch them and you obviously see the players um, it's like for instance Steve McPhail you know mm. so for this players Duffer obviously players that are sort of um, coming towards their end of their career come back and playing so that would have been something that I would have wanted to do um, so but maybe I would have seen it maybe as it happened a little bit later in different circumstances maybe but this is the way it happened and I was, yeah I was actually speaking to um, a cousin of mine uh, Alan McCready's huge huge Rovers fan and he would have come over to watch um, games with me over the years and stuff like this so he'd be just in text and stuff and he just said how are you getting on mm. blah 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 and I was like Think about to think like moving back with Joanne the kids and um, back to Dublin. He was like, um, took him back to play with Rovers, and I was like, yeah, I would. And he was like, you serious? And I was like, yeah. He was like, why? So I think he had a personal relationship with Jonathan Roach, because um, obviously probably around the same age. Jonathan probably be offended by that, but <laughs> probably around the same age. Probably knew each other. I think from years going to support games and stuff like that. And I think it was just sort of brought up like that, and then through that then my number got passed on then they uh, I spoke to um, Steve McPhail and, uh, and the boss then it's just all done yeah well it wasn't I'm sure you know McPhail uh, <laughs> played hardball in negotiations so um, it was a little I wasn't like that listen I wanted to come back and play it was yeah. it wasn't about the money it was the, it was this at the club and speaking to them and um, I wanted yeah I wanted to play with Rovers and obviously the setup um here that we didn't really know about to be honest but obviously having to watch having watched games in Tallis Stadium great place that was a good place to play and 
I, I was something I needed, you know, I suppose, um, did the, the love of football leave me? No, but um, this definitely is like really because of the, the feelings that I have for this football club and uh, that's why I'm still obviously still trying to play, like, you know. Does it feel like if I mean more, that kind of thing? Is it definitely means more, and I think I said that to the lads, um, like when I was asked questions after the cup final, like about certain stuff, like it definitely means more because you're doing it for your own people, you know, mm. and that's one thing that definitely is true. Like, I have a personal connection to family members, friends, like loads of people. Like, I mean, I don't know putting a number on it, but like lo- lots and lots of people because of from where I'm from, they would be Shamrock Rovers fans, so you know them, and how more like. More than probably like um, stuff like acknowledging it more probably now not acknowledge it but like probably more into stuff now yeah. than what I had done yeah. in England because it's their team do you know and yeah, that's yeah. how they they look at it and that's for me is for me as well like it's great now when you get into this club because you can get a personal connection with a lot of people that when you're in England I suppose outside the dressing room and even in the dressing room you don't really get that real personal connection with um, certain staff members and other stuff like so it's great you know and I don't know whether um, I definitely wouldn't have been still playing in England and coaching I don't think the way, way I'm mm. trying to do it here like you know and look while we're on Rovers like I think it's time we turned it around on your man over there like what what, uh, what did you do to him up here uh, did you hold it against him to use from Cork or what like what's the story he did yeah of course he did I was saying <laughs> I was saying to him earlier when I played against uh, when we lost 3-0 with Cork up here it was the worst game of my life, as in terms of never been punched and kicked by a player as much in my life as you. And I think you got uh, Lopez doing it and Lee Grace doing it like horrible person. <laughs> 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 oh, I don't know. Listen, people probably say that, but uh, oh, listen, there's, I'm sure I probably looked at it and probably thought, listen, he's their main man, so if you can keep him quiet one way or another, we'll it'll be uh, put us on the on the right way to getting three points. So. And hold on a second. Now, would that be consistent with, with these religious beliefs we hear? We hear uh, about you, a devout Catholic by all accounts, yeah. a mass going. Uh, mass going. Regular. I don't know about, uh, don't know about uh, a devout Catholic. Uh, mass uh, going Catholic, yeah. A confession yeah. after every meeting with this fella there? Nah, definitely not. No. <laughs> I think out on the football pitch, like. Uh, out and goes? Yeah. Whatever happens on the pitch, there's on the pitch, really. So that's always been my view on it. You know, like, I'm sure probably in that time. I probably would have kicked Graham and then probably said to him after the game, when are you coming to the Rovers? You know, and that's and I'm still like that now, like, you know, after a match and um you can like lay tackles or whatever and all these sort of things, but then after a match, bang, it's, uh, it's done and dusted for me, you know, I'd never walk off and never have, you know, never walk off and think, Yeah man's this, yeah man's that. Well you obviously just think that's part of the football, like, you know, shake hands, walk off. Maybe tell us briefly a bit about the fate. Like it was big news before the cup final. Yeah, no, it wasn't Leafs. um Past the comment of um, how's your Sunday going to be like the day of the cup final I just sort of said well, it'll be pretty much the same as most days it'll be just on most Sundays it'll be just get up have breakfast go to mass and then get ready for the match you know and obviously then um, from that then I think people sort of said whatever the, the, the lads were like oh you go to mass and I was like yeah you know and it's, for me it's a huge part of my life and it's going to be a huge part of my life until yeah, they put me in a box you know and uh, yeah I, I, when I went to England and I was obviously brought up with it, going to mass with my family, and then obviously went to England, kept it going, and got comfort. Brought me a comfort when I was over there, really, when I was in digs and stuff like that on my mm. own, away from family, away from friends, and you're on your own sort of thing. And I don't know, it was just something that was beside me in a way, you know, in a strange way. If that sounds strange, but that's the way it was. It was just there, keeping me company. 
Damien Delaney mentioned it lately on the radio that a lot of a lot of footballers are quite religious. Is it something that you? Yeah, I'm not too sure. What beliefs? Mm. Like obviously, a lot of the uh, African lads and um, yeah. Muslim boys would be um, yeah yeah very yeah uh, very religious in the sense. Like I've been in dressing rooms where there'll be uh, you'll see the Muslim lads going down like and taking out the prayer mat and stuff like that and saying prayers before the before the matches but it was never something you felt isolated or, or you know you're, you're saying the Irish English thing maybe a while nah, back definitely there, not, uh, no definitely not like uh, obviously you're going in you're going and finding the local Catholic church and stuff like that so through that then I suppose you you, you know everyone in there has, had the same beliefs as you sort of thing and mm. um, as I said wherever I've been in the world I've always gone to mass like and been to some random places um, and <laughs> some random churches like but it's um yeah, it's something that's going to be with me till. You mentioned a great story. Was it was it up in Newcastle you went with your yeah. in, in your West Ham tracksuit into a church? That's yeah. yeah. So when I went there, your man ended up a lot of the priests over in England as well. Some of them, a lot of them are do be English, uh, do be Irish, you know. And yeah, um, obviously good crack. And then in Newcastle, they're obviously fanatical about the teams. And I was there at the like in my tracksuit, obviously because you're just travelling in a tracksuit. You have nothing else really. And then he made a. He just started a little bit of a joke there, right? Like, because he was obviously Irish, and he'd seen you from the altar, kind of thing, had he? Well, he'd actually seen. I got there a little bit early because we didn't know where I was going, probably. And by the time I got there, he was probably just floating around. And then he came down to me, seeing me, whatever, in the tracksuit, and probably thought, "You're mad, <laughs> sort of thing." You know where you are, like. But then, obviously, when I explained it to him where I was from and what I was doing, it was like a little joke. Then I suppose he cracked, you know, at the top there, saying that. Uh, one of the West Ham players are in, and obviously the game was we were playing Newcastle three o'clock that afternoon sort of thing. So, I'd, everyone got a laugh out. Did you win that one? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Nah, he wanted us to win as well. I think he was sunning, so. <laughs> Thanks for coming in, Joe. Really appreciate that. No, what up? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 